Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. 90% of the people who set New Year's resolutions never make it through the month of January with those resolutions. Did you know that? 90%. We make them, and then we try to get through, and we don't get through. Um, I want to start today by giving you a couple of things that are really, really critical for you to have improvements in your life. Um, that's what the five series is all about. It's about trying to help you to order your life and to do a couple of things maybe that you haven't done before and to do them so that your life will be better, a little wiser maybe, a little more planned, which if anybody knows me, that's a struggle right there. But to just have a little better 2014 than you did 2013. And the first thing I would say is in order for that to happen, God has to be a part of it. You have to let God be a part of your life in order for your life to get better. God wants to help you change your life. He has all the power in the world at his disposal, and he wants to offer you that power. He wants to be a part of things. You kind of have to invite him in to the process. He didn't just come to give you eternal life. Jesus did not just come to give you eternal life. I think a lot of Christians, that's what they think. They think, well, you know, Jesus came, and now I have eternal life, and I'll just wait till I die, and then the good stuff starts. No. Jesus said that he came to give you life and to give it to the full. It's about more than just hereafter. It's about what's going on today. And you need to know that. You need to know that, that, that God wants to be, be more to you than just a Sunday God. There are an awful lot of Christians today that are going to church, and what they really are is they, they, they have a Sunday God. And I'm not saying they don't love God. I think they do. I don't, I'm not saying that, that their faith isn't sincere. I think it is. But, but what happens is a lot of times is we, we get in this routine of just going to church and it becomes a Sunday thing only and it's not uh, anything more than that. It just becomes, basically it becomes religion. And if you're new to us at Cross Lane, let me just um, lay this out here. You'll know whether or not you want to stay or leave after I make this statement. But we don't like religion here. We don't like religion. Uh, we define religion, I define religion, as doing the same thing over and over, trying to get God to like me. God already likes me, okay? And God already likes you. And so you doing more and more of the same thing over and over in an effort to get God to like you or to impress him in some way is not going to work. It's not about that. And so God wants to be a part of your life, and he wants to be a part of everything that you do. He wants it to be more than just church on Sunday. And so he wants to be a part of it. The second thing, you'll never change your life until you change something that you do daily. It has to be a daily thing. You're never going to change your life with a goal. You're never going to change your life with a New Year's resolution. You're never going to change your life as long as you focus on tomorrow. That's what we do. We have a tendency to just focus on tomorrow. The focus has to be on today. The secret to success is found in your daily agenda. That's where the secret is. Proverbs says this. This is from the Good News Translation. An intelligent person aims. They're focused. Look, here's here's something I want you to know this morning. If you're waiting for the drama of life to stop, it's not going to. It's not going to stop. That's a very defensive posture to take. I'm just going to wait and let things die down a little bit. If you're waiting for the drama to stop, if you're waiting for all the chaos in your life to subside, I got bad news. 
There are, there are always going to be wars. There's always going to be recession of some kind. There's, there's all, elections are not always going to go your way. Bad economies are going to exist. Family stuff, relational stuff, sickness, financial stuff. It's, it's, it's never going to completely die down. There's probably always going to be a fair portion for you of something that you'd, rather, you'd say, you know, I'd rather that not be a part of things. And if you're waiting for, I don't know, June 12th, where everything's going to be perfect for you, probably not going to happen. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. But the secret, Jesus said, is to overcome the world. Jesus said, I have come to overcome the world. That's what, that's what he wants us to do, overcome the world. The secret isn't really changing the circumstances. The secret is changing us. <laughs> that's really hard to do, isn't it? The intelligent person is aiming at changing himself. He or she is focused. An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. We need more wisdom. We need more intentionality with our lives to be aiming at wise action. But the Bible says it's a fool who is off in a bunch of different directions, off on a whim. The, uh, the elders here have put a fairly high premium on, uh, for the staff, me and the staff, to, to be, grow as leaders. And they invest in us. They, they encourage us to, to grow as leaders. And, and we go to conferences. We, you know, we have book allowances that enable us to be able to read about leadership. I take periodicals about leadership. Um, I mean, it's expected of us. And one of the things that... that um, I learned a long time ago at a John Maxwell conference, he talked about the Pareto Principle. I don't know if you know what the Pareto Principle is, but the Pareto Principle, maybe you know it as the 80-20 rule. The Pareto Principle says that 20% of the work you do will reap 80% of the reward, basically. That, that, that 80% of really what you get done happens from 20% of what you're doing. And, and so... It's not just about being busy, it's, it's about doing the correct thing. Psalm 90 says this, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. We need wisdom for that. This series is, has just been really about giving you some wisdom, a way to live your life and order your life in the right way so that you make sure that you have the right actions, that you're, you're doing the right things to help improve your life. And the right actions are important. And if you've really listened as we've talked, I'm not trying to tell you exactly how to do it. This, you know, finding your five, your five is going to be different than mine. I'm going to read mine to you in a little bit, and you'll see that my my five is probably different than yours. So I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just telling you that if you really want the wisdom of God, there's a right way to go about it. If you want life to be better, you need to kind of focus on what's happening in that 20% where all this 80% of stuff is coming out of it. Right actions are important. Let me tell you a joke just to illustrate it. It's about two Cajuns, Boudreaux and Thibodeau. And they were driving their truck down the highway, and they noticed this really, really nice set of woods, and they thought, man, that'd be a great place to hunt. So they saw the little farmhouse off to the side, and they thought it would be polite to go ask the farmer, if they could hunt 
on his woods instead of just, you know, doing it. So they knock on the door and they ask him, do you mind if we go hunt them wood? And the farmer said, that's no problem. That's no problem at all. But you got to know, them wood very thick. And you're going to get lost in there. So you just, let me tell you what to do. You get lost. You just shoot in the air three times. And somebody come help you. We'll find you. We'll come help you get out of them wood because they tick. So Boudreaux said, well, that, you know, thank you very much. That's nice. We'll do that. So they went hunting. Boudreaux and Thibodeau start off into the woods. And sure enough, after a couple of hours, they are completely lost. They have no idea where they are. They can't get out. And Boudreaux said, now, Thibodeau, you better, you better shoot in the air three times like Farmer says so he can find us. So he did. And they waited. No one came. Boudreaux finally said, man, you think we shoot three more times? So Thibodeau shot three more times. They waited. Nothing. Finally, Boudreaux said, Thibodeau, maybe you shoot three more times. And Thibodeau said, well, I'll shoot, but I'm running out of arrows. got to settle sometimes you can get put to sleep in a joke can't you here's the moral of the story activity does not necessarily mean accomplishment activity does not necessarily mean accomplishment just because you're doing something doesn't mean that you're accomplishing anything at all a lot of us live our lives thinking that it it isn't that our intentions are bad your intentions are good we're trying we're, we're trying to do something. We're just not, we're always not aimed at wise actions. So to revisit the rule of five, the key to the rule of five is doing the right things every day. Not all day, but every day. We, we talked about five good swings of the axe. We talked about a process more than an event. You know, an event would be you show up, you try to cut the tree down in one day, process would be you're going to show up take five good swings every day hit the tree in the same place five consistent strokes put it down walk away come back tomorrow five more good swings the process over time you will cut the tree down you'll be in probably better shape as you do it you accomplish more through a process than you generally do through an event we we talked about in the series finding the right activities in other words, it can't just be five swings, okay? It can't just be five random swings, and you can't, you know, the, the, you, have to, you have to hit the, the tree with the sharp side of the axe. You can't turn the axe around and hit it with the blunt end. That's not going to work. It's about doing the things that are important. That's what today is about, finding the list that makes you successful and a list that honors God. Some have asked me, well, Brett, what? You know, I've been making my list. What's, what are the things, what are some of the things in your list? So I thought I would just go down and give you my list just so you could kind of know what it is. Um, every day, I try to meditate. I, I just try to sit with myself. And have you seen the commercial with the Staples? I think it's Staples or it's one of the shipping things and the guy works for himself and, and the lady suggests that maybe he should get a raise and so he steps back and he talks to himself. That's kind of what my meditation looks like, you know. So 
I try to, that's a picture that you'll not get rid of for the rest of the day. So I try to do that every day, and what generally happens is if I meditate like that, inevitably God will interrupt it, and meditation turns into prayer. And I might be thinking to myself, Brett, why did you do that? Why is that so important to you? You do that every time. You get mad about that every time. What makes you so mad about that? And God will step in. Yeah, Brett, what makes you so mad? Why do you get so angry? Why do you do that? What are you afraid of? And then, and then I'm answering God, and as I answer God, and I, this, this conversation begins to happen. So I meditate every day, try to. Try to pray every day. Generally, if I meditate, I pray. Uh, every day I read. Try to grow and learn as a leader, as a person, as a pastor, as a Christian, as a human being. I'm just trying to grow. I'm trying to, you know, I talk to a lot of people, and I'm, I try to know about a lot of different topics, um, you know, so that I can converse and have a conversation with you about what's important to you. Um, a great piece of advice that I'll give you that my, my, um, one of the, my, my professors in Bible college taught us, um, this guy was brilliant. And, and he said, let me challenge you that when you get a periodical on your desk and you're getting ready to go through and read that magazine, he said, typically what you'll do is you'll pick it up and you'll find the article that appeals to you and you'll read that article. And then you'll find the one that appeals to you second most and you'll read that article. He said, let me challenge you that when, it, when an, a, a magazine hits your desk and you look through the articles and you see the one that you don't want to read, read it. Read it. And he said, you will learn more and you will be more challenged and you'll be smarter if you will read the article that you really don't want to read. It's the same thing with books. You know, you go to the bookstore, you see the book, and you think, well, the subject matter is interesting, but I don't think I would like that guy's opinion. You probably ought to read that book. You need some contrarian things in your life. You need somebody to speak something different to you than what you've always been told. You need to know how the other side thinks. You need to, you need to consider a different opinion. Here's a, suffer the thought. You might be wrong about something. And somebody may actually change your mind, or you may, see, you may see the world through a different lens, or see a problem through a different lens. I cannot tell you how much that's happened for me just in the last 10 years. A lot of, the, a lot of it is because I try to read every day, and I try to read things that are a little different, things that, that I know probably when I pick it up. I'm probably not going to agree with that, but when I get done, I'm like, well, you know what? At least I understand their perspective, and I, didn't even, I wasn't even able to say that 15 minutes ago. So I try to meditate every day, try to pray every day, try to read, uh, grow and learn every day. I try to give slash encourage every day. I have had some people be very, very generous to me in my life, and they have modeled for me what it is to be generous. So when I tip, I try to over-tip. No sin in over-tipping, okay? Blow some poor girl's mind someday and give her way more than she ever expected, even even if she wasn't that good, <laughs> you know? And I don't, don't do it all the time, but once in a while, I'll just say, I'm, gonna, I'm about to have some fun here and, you know, just give a, a, an extravagant tip and watch them go. <gasps> but I try to be generous. Try to be, try to be uh, um, an encouragement to the people around me. I, my, one of my goals is that I want you to feel better about yourself after you leave my presence than you did when you came into my presence. I just... I want, I want you to feel good about you. I'm, I'm trying to, 
I'll try to compliment something or try to, um, just trying to help people feel better, honestly. So try to meditate, try to pray, try to read. I try to give and encourage. And then this one's going to sound kind of strange. I'll have to explain it. Every day I, tr- I try to treat myself. I try to treat myself. Now that could take a lot of different forms. It could be a candy bar. Lord knows I've treated myself to enough of those. It might be a nap. It might be, you know, my hands might be dry and I might need some lotion. Try to do something, something to love me. Now, I know that sounds selfish, but let me help you understand it. I've done a fair amount of flying in the last two weeks. And one of the things that that I I usually use this illustration in the Jesus talk with people. You know, when you're flying, when you get ready to to take off, the, the flight attendant stands up and he or she does the illustration with that they talk about when the cabin, if the cabin should depressurize, that a mask will fall out of the ceiling and they go through that whole thing, right? And then they tell you this interesting thing. They say, they show you how to put the mask on, but then they say, be sure to affix the mask to yourself before you try to help someone else. Now, why are they saying that? They're saying that because if you don't take care of you, you're no good to anybody else. Let me help you. That's a biblical thing. Let me help you understand it from a biblical perspective. Jesus said this. Love your neighbor, how? As yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to, to go be a selfish somebody that nobody wants to be around. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Jesus said, you're no good to anybody else if you don't take care of you. And so part of my five, as, as selfish as it sounds, is I try to treat myself somehow every day because here's what I know about me. If I don't, I become jaded, I get, I get worn out, I, I'm empty, I have nothing to offer anybody else. And I don't know about you, but I mean, my job is about offering to other people. And, and I would hope that that would be something that you would want. Is that, you know, I want to I give to other people. Well, if you don't take care of you, you can't do that very well. So those are my five. I, I, I meditate, I pray, I read, I try to give and encourage, and I try to treat myself every day. That's my five. That, your five may be different, and that's fine. But you really want to find five things that you can do that will lead you to success. And you want to find five things that will help you to glorify God. The secret is to do it every day. Not all day, but every day. And then you need to do this. You need to check your success daily. Have a time of reflection. Have a time where you, you slow down and you evaluate. I, I, don't, I don't know who in the room needs to hear what I'm about to say, but I'm, I'm fairly convinced a room this size, somebody in the room needs to hear what I'm about to say. So, so clear your mind and get ready. Here's, here's what I think God may be saying to somebody this morning. You need to slow down. You need to slow down. You're going too fast. There are so many of us, we, we could probably accomplish a lot more if we would just take a little time and sit and meditate and evaluate what we just did. Look at your list and see if you did the things that you needed to do, see if you did them the right way, see what needs to be tweaked, see what's tweaked, see what needs to be improved. I have a good friend who is on the go all the time, all the time. There's a lot of stuff going on in their world and you know they'll call me and kind of want advice and um, encouragement and we're, we're very good friends and um 
the focus so much of the time is on the future and, and it's busy, 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 go, 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 and, he, and he'll get discouraged. And he'll think that, you know, all this running, running, running isn't producing anything. And my job in his life, a lot of times, is to say, whoa, whoa, stop. Look back two years ago. Look back at two years ago. Do you see growth? Well, yeah, now that you mention it, I do see growth. Well, talk to me about how, you know, how have things changed and and how are things better? And and he'll start to download all the different ways that things are going to go better. But see, if you don't ever stop and evaluate, if you don't, I call it looking in the rear view, if you don't look over your shoulder once in a while and see progress, you will get so burned out and you will think, man, I'm just spinning my wheels. This doesn't matter. Moms, sit down, take out a picture of your kids, your babies, from two or three years ago and look at them today and realize all the work that you've put into the last two or three years and look at how they're growing. Think about how your input has made a change in their life. Dads, stuff going on in the house, the, you know, the, the, just the physical house. Um, maybe that's not good for some of you. Maybe you've put off so much that your wife would just get after you for not having done enough, but you got to look over your shoulder and you got to see where you've improved. You got to see where things have gotten better. Now, today is dedicated to this. How do I find my five? I, I promise I'll be quick. We're going to go through these. It won't take a long time. We're going to talk about how to find my five. I'm going to give you so, some information here in just a minute. It'll help you. Jeremiah 6 says this This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. In other words, you've got some decisions to make. In other words, you know, you would sit down before God and you'd say, God, i got ten things, but I've only got five slots. How am I going to get ten things in five slots? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You're at a crossroads. Here's what the Bible says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. That's really just another way of saying dig deep. Dig deep. Go to the fundamentals. Go to the fundamentals of this book. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And I'm convinced that if you do that, your 2014 would be better than your 2013. Because if you do that, the next statement I'm about to make will be something that you can say for you. And you probably crave this and don't even know it. It says, you will find rest for your soul. What would 2014 be like for you if you could say that? The world's going crazy, but I have found rest for my soul. Go after the ancient path, find the good way, and walk in it. Be disciplined. I said a couple of weeks ago, humility and discipline win the day. That's true. Humility and discipline win the day. You show me somebody that's humble, somebody that's disciplined, I'm going to show you somebody that you more than likely look up to and want to emulate. So now I want to give you a filter of how to find your five. I want you to run this through a filter of five things. Five five different things that you can say, okay, before it goes into my five, it needs to kind of filter down through these five things. Number one, make sure that your list reflects your relationships. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to get to the end of your life someday, and you're going to look back, and you know what's not going to be important? All the work you did won't be important. All the money you made won't be important. 
The vacations you took in and of themselves won't be important. The only thing that will be important is that you went on those vacations with people that you loved and cared about. The most important thing in the world to you, really, if you really boil it down, especially when you look back on your life, will be the people in your life. Now, here's the thing. For some of you, they can also be your biggest problem, right? I mean, you might be sitting next to this morning your biggest problem. Don't hit them. Don't hit them. And I'm joking, but I'm not joking. Let me let you in on something. The devil will target the most important thing to you and try to destroy it. And often the place where we hurt the most is the area of our relationships because hell is working overtime to destroy our relationships. You know why? Because when it's all over, the only thing that matters is people. Do you know why? Because people are the only thing that are eternal. Everything else is going to burn. People are the only things that live forever. And until you figure out how to forgive and move on and really develop healthy, solid relationships, you can't really have a successful, healthy life that glorifies God. You just can't. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. You won't get as much done if you try to do it by yourself as you will if you have somebody around to help you. And, and, and But what happens is so many of us, we put these walls around our hearts and no one can penetrate that wall. And I'm not talking so much about literally being alone, although that's some, sometimes that happens. I'm talking about being alone in a way that we treat people, the way we guard ourselves. And we have to make sure that our list, our five, reflects that our relationships are the most important thing. Ecclesiastes goes on to say, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. That's why small groups are so important around here. Because you need somebody to know you. You need somebody to check on you. You need somebody to to care about you. In a church this size, it's very, very difficult for me as a pastor to be able to do that for all of you. But when we break everybody up into small groups and and they have like a, a, a you know another pastor that can help me with that process, makes things much better for everybody. And as our church grows and it gets bigger, and you know, some people will come and say, this church is too big. Well, it's not big if you break it down. It's not big if you have people that you know in a smaller group. So it's important that you be involved in a small group if you, if you at all can. Colossians says this, and, and over all these virtues. Now when you read that, it's kind of a sign that you need to slow down and pay attention because what's going to follow is probably pretty important. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So filter through your relationships. That's one of the things that you need to make sure your five takes into account. Second thing is this. Your list needs to reflect your values, things that are unique to you, the things that that you value that may be different than what others value. And the best way to figure out what you value is, is, actually, I'm going to give you two ways. Here's the first way. Here's the way to figure out what you value. Go home, sit down for a minute, and think through your 80th birthday party. Boy, that sounds like fun, doesn't it? And at your 80th birthday party, they're going to bring in all the people who have been in your life, that care about you, that, that you love, and, and 
Here's the question that I want you to think about when it comes to your 80th birthday party. Ask yourself this question. What would people say about me? What would they say about me? And as you answer that question, you are going to find what your values are. I know what I want people to say about me. I want people to say, you know what, Brett accepted and loved me. Didn't matter what I did. He just accepted and loved me. I want people to say, Brett, help me to understand Jesus better. I mean, what a great thing to have somebody say about you if, if at the end of your life they said, you know, he helped me to understand Jesus better. And I want people to feel better about themselves. I want, I want people to be encouraged. And so I hope people say about me, you know, Brett always encouraged me. Another way to figure out your, your values is this. It's the 30-day it's the deal. What would you do if you found out you only had 30 days to live? A doctor comes in and says, look, you're, you're bad sick. I, I can't fix you. No one can fix you. You've got 30 days. You better get things together. What would you start doing right now that you aren't doing if you thought you were going to die in 30 days? Here's another question. What things are you doing now that you would stop doing if you found out you only had 30 days to live? What, if you've got answers to those, what are you waiting for? You should go ahead and stop doing them or start doing them now. So our five needs to reflect our relationships. Our five needs to reflect our values. Number three, our five needs to reflect our calling. Our calling. Now, I could have used the word purpose there. I didn't want to use the word purpose. But you know what? Anybody can have a purpose. In order for you to have a calling, you have to have a God. God gets involved in calling. Now, here's where this gets kind of funky because you're, you're tempted to say, oh, no, 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 Brett. You're called. You're the pastor. Right? You're the minister. God's called you. And it sounds, you know, like there ought to be doves flying around and, you know, harps playing and, you know, you've been called into the ministry. You're the pastor. You're Pastor Brett. Now, I understand that some of you come out of traditions where it is so hammered into you that you refer to your pastor as pastor, whatever his name is. I get that. I understand that. But if you can at all avoid doing that with me, that would be great. Here's why. And, and people ask me, you know, Brett, why do you make such a big deal about that? Because I am just like you. I'm not more special than you. I'm not better than you. God knows I'm probably not more spiritual than you half the time. It's, you, you don't need to call me Pastor Brett. If we're going to call me Pastor Brett, I get to call you Pastor, whatever your name is. Okay? We're all called to something. There, there, there's, there's a calling on you. Everybody's been called. If you're a believer, if you fogged a mirror this morning and you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus, God has a calling on your life. We use the word clergy. Guess what? That word's not in the Bible. It's cler Christians made that up. Clergy and lay people. Lay people just fancy talk for y'all. Okay, that's, that's all that is. Just, that's... I grew up in the South. That's what we said. Y'all come. And it's just not true. I'm Brett. I'm your friend. <laughs> I'm not more super or spiritual than you. We've all been called. Here's what a call is. When you do it, whatever it is, whether it's teaching kids or greeting or preparing communion or, you know, working with the kids at Terrytown or, or 
working in the sound booth, working in the nursery. When you do it, it impacts eternity somehow. Leading a small group is a calling. All I'm saying is, find something that makes a difference for eternity. Paul said this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Look at me. Look at me. You are God's workmanship. You understand that? You are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. What's that mean? That means he had the thing for you to do before he made you. In other words, you weren't born and then God looked at Jesus and said, well, what are we going to have him do? He already had something for you to do and then he made you. That, that's what a calling is. Now, now listen, I'm going to say something and you might, if you're taking notes, this is probably something you probably ought to write down. You will never be happy until you are doing something that makes a difference for eternity. Now, you might be happy now, just the way you are, but I promise you, when you start to involve yourself in something that makes a difference for eternity, your happiness level is going to go up. There are probably corners in your life that you can't seem to fill. You can't seem to get anything to stay in that corner. And, and the reason is, until you figure out the eternal side of things and figure out that God's got a calling on you to impact eternity with your life, those corners are probably going to remain unfilled. And you're probably going to lay awake at night a little bit and think, man, what's missing? What's missing is God has a calling on you. Let me help you with this. Ask yourself three questions. Here's a way to figure out your calling. Real quick. What's required of me? That's one question you can ask. Certain things are just requirements. Like, you don't, need a, you don't need to know, am I called to be a dad? Look, if you fathered babies, you're called to be a dad. You don't even have to pray about that, okay? That's a calling. Some things we do because we're required to do them. Second question, what gives me the greatest return? In other words, what am I good at? You don't want to do something you're not good at. I've been preaching at my kids in my house about this forever. Here's my mantra to my kids. Figure out what you love to do and figure out how to get paid to do it. And you won't work. There's an awful lot of people that are doing stuff that they don't like and they work every single day. My son Bennett, those of you who've been here enough, the, the guitar player, the big one with the long hair. That's how we identify Bennett. He's big as a tree. It's like hugging a tree trunk. He's just massive. And, and he's got long hair. He just got a new job. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. He just got a new job. And he landed a job that if I had written the job description myself, I could not have written it better than the job description he got. If you know Bennett very well, he just got a job. Get this. How would you like this to be your, your job title if you're a guitar player? He is a guitar technician. Isn't that great? So, so he's, you know, it's, it's in line with what, it's a great return for him. 
you know, I'll, I'll talk to kids that are going off to college. I'll say, what, what are you going to major in? What do you want to be? What are you going to do? And a lot of times, you know, they don't have any idea, and neither did I when I was that age, and I understand that. But sometimes I'll get an answer, and then I'll have a follow-up question. The follow-up question is, oh, do you have any experience with that? I mean, is there some, is there some reason why you, you want to do that? No, it just pays good. Huh? You don't even know if you like it? You don't even know if you're any good at it? Have you watched American Idol? I mean, there are certain people that walk on in that, in that audition room in American Idol, and they open their mouth to sing. Now, I get it. There's some that go to American Idol to be discovered, not for their ability to sing, but for their personality. I get that. But there are some poor souls that really honestly think they're a better singer than they are a welder, and you just want to say to them, dude, you just need to weld every day, okay? Because you can't sing. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to break anybody up, but you're not any good. And I don't like to see the judges mistreat them. You know, I'm not, I don't like that. I, I don't like to see anybody squirm. I, I get almost nauseous when that kind of stuff starts happening. I hate to see somebody squirm. I don't care if they deserve it or not. So I appreciate the judges when they're kind and they look at someone and they tell them the truth and they say, look, listen, I appreciate that you think you can sing but I'm a singer, <laughs> and I'm telling you, that's not your gift. I'm sure you're a great person, and I'm sure that there's a lot of things that you could do very, very well, but you just someone needs to tell you, you you're not a singer. That's a gift to somebody. Work on your strengths. Don't spend a whole lot of time trying to buck up a bunch of stuff that you really stink at. That's not going to help you. Figure out what you do well and pursue it. That's where you're going to be the happiest. So what's required of me? What gives me the greatest return? Here's a big one. What gives me the greatest reward? What warms my heart when I do it? You know what that is for me? It's this church. I went on vacation. I enjoyed myself. I did. I had a good vacation. I missed this. I'm happy here. My heart warms up when I get to do pastor stuff. My heart warms up when I get a chance to lead and and think and grow and, and be with you and teach. and So back to the filter to help us find our five. We've got relationships. You've got you to filter it through relationships, filter it through values, filter it through calling. Number four, it also needs to reflect your personal growth. Okay, your personal growth. In other words, did it stretch you? Did it make you better? Look, if you're not wanting to grow, don't have a personal five. If you just want status quo, don't even bother. Don't mess with it. But here's what I know about you. Here's what I know about you based on one thing. You're here this morning. You got up on a Sunday morning. You drove through bad weather. You drove in the cold. It's a hassle. And you came to church. That tells me something about you. You want to grow. You want to get better. So you, 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 it, this is going to be about personal growth. If you don't want personal growth, you don't need a five. What are you going to do this year to challenge your spiritual growth? Relationships, values, calling, growth. Number five, your five needs to reflect your faith. Listen to this. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. Don't just go to church. 
Don't just have a Sunday God. Don't just have God on your list somewhere. Don't. He is the most important one. He can make everything else come alive. Mark chapter 8. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? The most important thing in the world is your relationship with God. That's the most important thing. I don't want you to be religious. I don't. In fact, if you're religious, I don't want to be around you. Religious people make me nervous. Religious people make me want to say things that ought not come out of my mouth. Does that, I, just don't want, I don't want to be around that. I want you to know who God is. I want you to have a relationship with him when things are great and when things aren't great. And when you've been really, really good and when you've been a rascal. I want you to be able to talk to God when everything in your world lines up and it's going perfect. And I want you to be able to talk to God when nothing seems to be going right, and probably most of it is your fault. I don't want you to compartmentalize your faith. I want you to put God first, and I want you to see how that can change your life. Now, I'm done, but I'm not done. I just spent two weeks where it was nice and warm. Did I mention that? It was nice and warm where I was. And one of the things that I did on my vacation was I prayed for you. I had some moments where I was by myself and was able to read and just listen to music and um, just be by myself. And I don't know if you know it or not, but you pretty much sit in the same place every Sunday, most of you. And so I can almost take attendance just by based on where you sit. In fact, on, on Tuesday mornings, we have staff meeting and that's how we figure out who was here and who wasn't is We've all kind of got, you know, pretty much where you guys sit. So don't start sitting somewhere else because you'll mess it up. But I can close my eyes and I can see you sitting there. When I, on Sunday mornings, I come up here and pray before church starts in the first service. And one of the things I'm doing is I'm visualizing you sitting out there and I'm praying for you by name. I, I see faces. And, and, and I've done a lot of that in the last two weeks. I don't know that I've gotten everybody, but if you've been around here very much, I probably, you probably passed through that whole thing i've prayed for you i want your 2014 to be better with god than your 2013 was i want you to have a really good year i want things to go really well for you and part of the way that's going to happen is if you start to get intentional and if you start to really listen to what God's saying and say, God, this is my, these are my values, these are my relationships, this is my calling, this is, so this is kind of how I'm going to order this five. And you get up every day and you hammer away five good swings on your five. Not all day, but every day. And then evaluate it at night. God, how am I doing? I didn't do that very well. What can I do to make that better? I want you to have a good and prosperous 2014. Let's pray to that end this morning. Okay, bow with me. Father, I love these people. And Lord, in these moments, as we have considered the, the, the series five and we've thought about what are the things that we could do every day that would make a real difference in who we are and how we live our life for you. God, I pray that religion would be so far away from it all that it wouldn't even be considered, but that it would just be about a relationship with you. As you lead us, as you direct us every single day, 
to be your people in your place. And God, it's not always going to go perfect, and we're going to mess things up. And we're, we're, some of us are so battered and so bruised and, so, and probably unrecognizable from where we started on the journey. But you have not left us. You are not going to forsake us. You love us. You love us. So Father, this morning for every person in this room, I pray the richest blessing that I know how to pray. That people would know you better. That their life would be filled with love and joy. That they would be a light and an encouragement to the people that they encounter. That there would be a bounce in their step. All because of you. Father, you have lavished your love on us with Jesus. Now we pause in these moments and we just say as as sincerely and as earnestly as we can, God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.